we are having Cardinals opening day and a new series of great theater in town, Carl. In just a second, we will talk to the producer, director, and star of What the Constitution Means to Me, brought to you by Max and Louie Theater Productions. Around a half hour into it, we'll talk Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Around minute 37, Lynn tells us about Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Around Mount... Around minute 38, Tetris. Around minute 46, we'll preview Murder Mystery 2. And then around minute 48, Lynn will talk about her flash pulmonary edema. And also, Lynn will tell us about U2, a sort of homecoming featuring David Letterman. So we have three ladies here today. I shouldn't call them ladies. Women. We have three women that are going to tell us what the Constitution means to me. My wife is a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution, and every year she celebrates Constitution Week with displays in local schools and at the libraries. So I am very familiar with the Constitution and Constitution Week. Very cool. What drew you to this place, Deli? Deli Seitman of Max and Louis Productions. I had seen this play in New York City. It was prior to the pandemic. I'm thinking when it uh, opened on Broadway, and I guess it was 2019, and the play blew me away. And um, I was determined to produce it in St. Louis. Uh, The problem was getting the rights. Uh, The rights were held up for some time before they were going to release it regionally. And of course, then we had the pandemic uh, that happened. I lose track of time, but... um, it was, the rights were in limbo. Um, Dee and I were debating, Dee is uh, my partner and managing director, whether we were going to uh, close the company or not. Um, as it wound up, we didn't do anything in 2022. But when I heard that Max and Louie had acquired the rights, and I guess it was, I don't know, June of uh, 2022, Concord let me know we had acquired them. I said, oh, my God, D, we're back in business <laughs> because this play is a stunner. And I think with humor, um, smarts, and heart, the message of um, whether, you know, what's going on with our Constitution today in this country, you know, whether... We need to make changes through amendments, what have you, to ensure equality for all women, people of color, is a very, very relevant topic today. So if there's any time, I think, to artfully and provocatively uh, delve into and dramatize the meaning and impact of the U.S. Constitution in our American democracy, it would be now. Um, and we're all especially aware of the Constitution. It's being talked about, given the divisive and partisan ruling of the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade. And I'm going to stop, and I'm going to let the other ladies um, give their perspectives. Uh-huh. Well, Nancy uh, Bell, the uh, uh, I was going to say the great artist in town, multifaceted, uh, who directs and also stars on stage. Nancy, what drew you to this with a different perspective on how to direct it? 
Uh, well, I was drawn to this project because of the challenge, because it is a it's a memoir on stage. So um, Heidi Schreck wrote this and she performed it and it's about her life. Um, it's a really wonderful story. She um, looks back on her growing up in the Constitution because she paid for her college education by traveling around the country and competing in debates and oratory contests specifically about the Constitution. She calls herself a zealot for the Constitution. She loves it. And, and the play is really about her lifelong relationship with this document and how it has changed over time, how it's deepened over time and how it's transformed over time. Um, as she grew up and learned more and more about her family history and the history of violence against her mother, her grandmother, and her great-grandmother. So it becomes very personal. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with um, the term, the personal is political, which is um, a fundamental feminist tenet for a lot of people. And that's why this play is called What the Constitution Means to Me, because she takes the broad story of um, the Constitution and really does a great job of laying out what the Constitution is and what many of the amendments are and how they work. And then always brings it back to her, her family, her mother, her grandmother. Um, so, I know this sounds really serious, but I just want to make sure I get the message out that this is a really funny, entertaining show. And that's the great triumph of the show is that it is super smart, super incisive. It's angry. It's demanding. It's challenging. And it's also a hell of a good time. That is wonderful to hear. I know Carl has a daughter. Mm -hmm. I had boys. And I know you have a daughter. What does this mean to you for young people to see? Yeah, well, um, anybody who knows me <laughs> knows that um, I am, have a very close relationship with my daughter. Uh, she's my pride and joy. She is really, really into debate and has been doing that kind of thing for years. She's going to the, <laughs> the National Speech and Debate Tournament in July. Um, oh, how exciting. And it was yeah, absolutely. Um, and part of it was I wanted to do this for her because I knew this was something that she would really care about. Because one aspect of the play that we haven't talked about yet is um, really the most important character in the play for me is the young debater that Heidi um, invites to join her on stage at the end to debate with her. And the young debater represents the future for all of us. And that's why I've been telling the three young actresses we have playing that that role that they are the most important part of the show. So um, for me, in a lot of ways, this is a love letter to my daughter. Yeah, I think the, uh, the question of change and how best to achieve it, you know, it is really central to the play. Mm -hmm. And part of it, you know, comes in, you know, how Heidi models what it looks like, you know, to connect to understanding the Constitution and to answering the call of one's responsibility to engage it. But the most inspiring part, I agree with Nancy, is to be found in the intelligence, passion, the humor of uh, the young debaters who Heidi engages night after night. So Michelle is playing Heidi, and uh, who else is in the cast? Isaiah De Lorenzo. Is the what? Player. I knew 
Isaiah the Truth DiLorenzo. We both went to high school at Christian Brothers College. Oh, okay. If you want to make him feel old, call him the truth. And he'll oh, go, good tip. Good tip. You, oh. talk to, you talk to somebody I went to high school. And yes, that is 100% that. So em- embarrass Isaiah by calling him. I heard you were called Isaiah the Truth DiLorenzo. Okay. In high school, and he. Well, you're invited to come see him, Carl. Oh, I every time I see Carl. him, he's like, "You got to stop telling people that about me," because <laughs> you know we were young and foolish and dumb kids, and but he is the truth, and he's a fantastic actor as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, he and then there's three young debaters. One is Mahi Sani, and one is uh, Riley Carter Adams, and the last one is Iceland Morrow. It's it's Mahi Saini. I just want to make sure I it's get Mahi Saini. I stand corrected. <laughs> yes. Well, I talked to Riley, who's who said debate was her favorite thing in the whole world. And I talked to Michelle, and Michelle, when we talked for the Webster Kirkwood Times, which is now online, uh, we uh, t- she told me about Heidi's relatives. Mm-hmm. Her grandmother that was a mail order bride and uh, different things. Great, great grandmother. Right. Oh, great, 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 great grandmother was a mail order Exactly. And and uh, different things that happened in her family. And I think it's important to talk about the female aspect of the Constitution, since we all know the founding fathers, uh, when they wrote this document, which as a living, breathing thing, as we all know, the verbiage had to be changed here and there. Mm-hmm. But I think we've, I, I don't know about you all, but we had to, um, in college, we had to graduate by taking a constitution test. I don't know if oh. they still do that. No. But I think I found out more about the constitution in the last seven years than I have in my life and I'm fast like the the monuments clause and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't ever hear of uh you know I I just didn't know about things. So I think it's a, the fact that you are taking it and making it um uh, a great uh you know a, a living breathing project yourself as theater. <laughs> The living, breathing document has become a living, breathing play. Yes. So, Michelle, talk about that. I'm sorry. I missed the last part of that. Talk about. About how it's become a living, breathing theatrical piece. Yeah. Besides the Um, document. One of the things that I love about the play is that um, I will admit, probably until the past seven years, I sort of allowed the Constitution to be a document out there as opposed to something that I thought about on a daily basis. Um, But one of the brilliant uh, things that the play sets up is, so this basically um, begins as a reconstruction or a reenactment of this speech that Heidi used to give in American Legion halls to earn prize money, as Nancy said, to that eventually paid for her college education. So we get to see, or I get the opportunity um, to embody the 15-year-old Heidi and explain portions of the Constitution um, through that voice and through that body and through that enthusiasm. So um, the way that Heidi sort of allows us to understand these you know, specific clauses, um, the sort of uh, language of long ago 
through this young, enthusiastic self, um, I think one makes it, as Nancy said, entertaining, um, but also I think allows you to see it uh, in a way that is clear. And then Heidi, the adult, keeps stepping in and showing the ways that that language that's out there that she loves so much as a 15-year-old self um, sort of shifts and changes when it gets actually applied to real life situations, that when that trickles down um, into the daily life of her great-great-grandmother, her grandmother, her own self, um, it becomes a very different thing and it works in a very different way. Um, so I think the play does a really, really great job of drawing the audience into understanding that. And uh, they also get an opportunity at the end of the show, after we've had a debate, the audience gets to decide whether or not they're going to abolish or keep the United States Constitution. So um, it's a big task. And uh, the debater and I, we flip a coin to pick a side, and then uh, we let the audience decide on the basis of our arguments what, what they think we should do to move our nation forward. Oh, wow. Well, before we, uh, Nancy has to leave to teach. So at your alma mater, Carl, and yes. uh, we um, go Billikens. Yes. <laughs> Blue. And uh, uh, I would like to, first of all, thank you for all your great work over the last oh. years, because and I've been. Thank you. Thank you for all of your support of um, our craft in this town. It's much appreciated. And um, I think I said much appreciated, but I meant much, <laughs> much appreciated. Oh, <laughs> well, I and am congratulations so on much. student, by the way. Congratulations yeah. on your play getting published. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. Wow. You've well, we'll have work. to follow that up with, uh, at another time. But one of my favorite works, and I just, and it was just, I mean, it meant a lot to me, but is was the casserole play from the 70s. The oh, thing in the studio. Yeah, I love that. I love that show too. Yeah. Yeah. It was such oh. a feisty woman. And you have you you and Michelle both have brought so many great women to life on stage in town. And I mean, we're, I consider Michelle to be my sister in art. And yes. I relish every chance I get to work with her. Totally agree. I'm forever grateful to Steli um, and Dee for uh, giving us this opportunity to work together again. It's been a blast. And Into the Breaches. And it just, you know, it, it just we could go on and on and on. Lynn, you're supposed to mention the St. Louis uh, Theater Circle Award 10 times. Okay. <laughs> yes. On Monday night, uh, we now have a late starting time at 830. So hmm. we have to wait for another event. that sounds well, like it's gonna be raucous yeah and all that the and these women have you know been nominated and won st louis theater circle awards multiple times multiple times and uh michelle is up again and i uh and Steli, you have uh been nominated multiple times for max and louis productions and it was sad not to have you last year but nancy has won as a playwright and and she's been up as a director and a performer. And I would like to say that your good ship was very powerful and moving. That oh, was quite a tale and based on thank true you. story. But yeah, no, they're they're whenever you see it's hard not to have them in the nominees, Carl. And uh, we have 20 companies in 33 categories. Very exciting. 
I know I just, because oh, we're back first time in four years. I know, I know. You're back and we're back too this year. It's very exciting. Yeah, and when I was in the hospital, I was finishing the script. So I am <laughs> glad to be done. Congratulations on that. Wow. So yeah. what the Constitution means to me is at the Marcel Theater, yeah. April 5th and 6th through the 23rd, correct? Correct. Yes. And I and I wanna I wanna um get this in definitely that there is a fifteen dollar student ticket price that is going to be that's set for the entire run. Mm -hmm. Tickets can be gotten at www.maxandlouis.com or Metrotix 314-534-1111 or at the theater the day of or night of performance. We have matinees and evening. Matinees are at three o'clock on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, if they buy them at the theater, there is no um, Metrotix uh, charge, Please. I think you say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's important to get out. Have I forgotten anything else about ticket information, guys? No. That you can think of? You know, there is something I... I'm and, sorry. Uh, go ahead. The Marcel is a very safe place to park. And uh, oh, 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 that's another thing. I do want to tell you that uh, there is secure free parking. We're ha we have a um, gentleman on the lot every day and every evening who is a security guard. So everybody should feel safe. The Marcel is actually three blocks east of the fabulous Fox mm -hmm. on Samuel Shepard Drive, and there is free parking. So um, also handicap accessible, and there will be an open bar. That's very important. Open bar. Yes. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. I guess yes. I know where we're going to spend our will, as, will Monday, <laughs> as will Monday night, too. Yeah. No temperance. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Here. And we've been, we've been talking, Lynn and I have been talking about this. This is another short yeah. play. There, the, there was a time where everything had to be really, really long. This play is 100 minutes with no intermission. That is that is the trend nowadays. It is. And it runs like a train. Don't you think, Michelle, it's great? I mean, don't you love that? The fact that you don't have to break this up? I, I, I ask you. Yeah. And it's it's got a real energy and a momentum. Again, Heidi is such a this play is so well crafted. It has been, it's always a delight as an actor when you get a script and you can see the mechanics of it and you're like, oh my gosh, the way that this is going to tie to this and tie to that. And it literally is, we start the train rolling and it just never stops um, all the way through the debate uh, to the very last moment in the show. So um, it's a really fun, uh, uh, thrilling kind of ride, I think. Yeah. I think it's important to say this is not a dry political screed by mm -hmm. any means. It's as the you know the title says, what the Constitution means to me. And this is interesting. I want to read this. This is something the playwright said um, that gets Americans to consider contemporary judicial issues through the lens of the Constitution itself, and it provides a ground for conversation of those issues facing women today. When asked about the concept of victimhood in the play. Shrek stated, stories hold our cure. Mm -hmm. Stories well, hold our Well, you can learn cure. a lot from uh, the uh, history. 
because uh, I always go back to that quote, what, you know, uh, people forget uh, are doomed to repeat. So, you know, that happens a lot. But there's been such lively debate at all these state capitals in recent weeks. And then now we just had another school shooting and we got the excuses about the Second Amendment and uh, we will go from there. So it's a living, breathing thing. Uh, and and definitely, I think people will have a chance. But those that are not inclined to debate politically can just enjoy it and enjoy St. Louis theater. And you have always assembled a top shelf people, Steli. Well, we have Michelle Hand, you know. <laughs> She's amazing. Nancy Bell, incredibly insightful director who's very, very passionate about this subject. So we knew we wanted her to direct it. And these kids, these young teens, Michelle, I mean, I'll let you speak. You, you're the one that w works with them. I've watched rehearsals and they're all so very different, Lynn. They all have a different energy, but it's so exciting, right? To yeah. see them in, in discourse with you. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, and 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 to take take part in debate, which is that's an art form in itself. Yeah, and and they're fierce. They're they're fierce debaters. <laughs> they um, that not only are they super smart, um, but they're hilarious. And the uh, yeah, Esteli is correct. The fact that we've got these three teenagers of uh, various ages from thirteen to eighteen. And um, the variety of experience that they bring, the difference in personalities and temperaments and parts of the arguments that they hold on to. Riley's is different from Mahi's, um, is um, different from Iceland's. Each one of them um, has a particular stake in this that they uh, have really embraced. And it's been amazing to watch them grow in confidence um, in speaking about some of these issues. It's been really cool. And they're just all three great, great people. It's good. I love the energy of young folk, especially when you're doing theater, because yes. there's just something you, you know, that sparks and they make you think of things that that uh, that you wouldn't think of. Right. Which is, you know, they they bring a fresh perspective to things. So uh, you are opening next Thursday. So you're going to be Thursday through Sunday, correct? And yeah, Sunday's preview, matinee. Yeah, preview is Wednesday, and we're welcoming people. We have a very, very good audience for that for that night. Preview is twenty dollars, so um, there are still some seats, you know. So if people want to come to the box office, hopefully they'll be there, you know, and uh, we'll get rolling. Yeah, I was suddenly uh, realized that I hadn't made my RSVP. Well, so man, I have to. I have to. I know I have to do that because. I uh, suddenly uh, realized like, oh, shows are coming up. So, and then Black Rep is this week. And, and I was like, oh, okay. I'm seeing Into the Woods tonight. Tina right. is generously picking me up. So, oh, nice, nice. I yeah. love the way you guys are all friends and take care of each other. I love that. You yeah. have a really great community in this town. You know, Michelle said something interesting too, and, and you know, about, about not knowing a lot about the constitution. And I found since I, took ownership of this play and got the rights, I have been reading so much. And it really has changed my ideas, you know, um, 
about democracy. I mean, I have such respect for the grand experiment, right? But I have a lot more clarity in where I'd like to see improvements. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's been a really interesting process. Well, the fact that uh, the uh, the insurrection on January 6th could have uh, made things a lot worse and how people protected the Constitution on that day is remarkable. And when we have distance, more distance, we'll be talking about it. And classrooms will be talking about it in school. Or I hope, I hope right. they don't do revisionist history like in Florida right. and remove things. And, uh, you know, and now we got book banning. Them. So the constitution is, is uh, to, to understand it. And you just hope that people respect it enough not to take it away. I'm being, I'm stating my opinion because it's our what is podcast. The Constitution. Girl. What does the Constitution mean to me? Solid start. Now progress, progress, progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. I was the first was... Uh, group of eighteen-year-olds to get to vote. <gasps> so in 1972. That is so cool. Yeah, 1972, and we were so excited to vote, and mm -hmm. it was the Nixon. McGovern uh, a, a presidential election. How'd that turn out? Yeah. <laughs> they, were I, they were young. They were young. But to be honest with you, uh, my birthday is December 23rd, so I did not get to vote because that was wet too far past the November election. Right. But yeah. my first presidential election uh, ballot was cast for Jimmy Carter. And I'm very proud of that. And I am sad that he, but what a great man. And so that was that, but I will say, because we were the first group of 18 year olds to get to vote, everybody came to campus because it was a like, you know, and uh, we had Warren Beatty come to, to uh, support George McGovern, so he came, he literally came because this we're talking November nineteen seventy two. We're talking like he came in the fall of you know October, whatever. We're talking a scarf and his little shag hair <laughs> out on the camp, <laughs> convincing everyone to go vote. Yes, yes, and then. Uh, Nixon's son-in-law, Eddie, who was married to Trisha, came and it was a little room in the union. And all these people were holding signs. What about Watergate? And I thought, what are, what, what is that? Yeah. Don't worry, there'll be a movie about it in two years. <laughs> well, well, Constitution, I tell you, is peppered with a lot of quirky references, you know, to the uh, many important things that you might have learned from Dirty Dancing, which Michelle goes into as Heidi. <laughs> And her love affair with what? Uh, who, who was Patrick that? Swayze. Patrick, Patrick Swayze. Swayze. Right. Jennifer Grey. You know? yeah. Well, well, you know, Hamilton has inspired a lot of people to look into how the sausage is made. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So but it, but look at that. Carl it's can recite the guns and the, yeah. Guns and ships. Yeah. Guns and ships. Now, Michelle, there's something that you have you've done. Uh, you've dedicated this performance to Basil. Uh huh. Can you tell us more about that? 
Yeah. So Basil is my kiddo. And uh, in a similar way to Nancy, raising a child um, in this world uh, has sort of forced me to, it's, it's one thing to think about the world that I want um, for myself, but thinking now generationally and the way that this play thinks generationally, talking about um, Heidi continually refers to the fact that the reason why she's standing there is because of all of the women standing behind her um, and feeling an obligation um, and, an, and an honor to be able to speak for them, to advocate for them, to uh, move the needle forward for them. I feel a very similar honor and privilege and obligation to um, think about my Basil and whether or not they have a family someday. Uh, I, I, want, I want this great experiment, um, as Lynn referred to it, uh, to continue to be vital and to invite more people to the table and to make sure that we all truly are equally protected under the laws and that we all equally have opportunities to pursue where our hearts take us. Um, and I, I feel like doing this show, I, I'm, I have marched in the streets um, for things, but this show is my, this is my moment of activism um, on behalf of Basil's generation and hopefully beyond. Excellent. Which is great. Yeah, this is, and this they is great. are quite, they are quite a talent too, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steli, we want to send everyone to maxandlouis.com so they can find out more about the show and buy tickets. Carl. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity today, Michelle, Lynn. Thank you. you. Keep getting better. Well, thank you. I'm excited. Well, I look forward to seeing it. And thanks. Right. Can't wait to see you, both of you. Let me know when you want to come anytime. Absolutely. All right. All right. Thank you. And break a leg. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. 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 So, Lynn, you've been in the hospital. So, yes, I haven't seen Dungeons and Dragons. I did, though. Yes, so I want you to talk about that. But I did see Tetris, and How? I loved it. Oh, because it's on Apple. Yes. Well, what what would you like to start with? Whatever you want to, because but probably if Dungeons and Dragons is going to be the big movie of the of the week. Yes, starring Chris Pine in in like a dad role. Okay, so um, at the end of the film, I said they were asking us our opinions about the film and i said well it had dungeons and it had dragons and it was fun i this is they've tried this many times before to uh do something with dungeons and dragons and there in fact there was a cbs cartoon show this movie has so many easter eggs in it for like you see a creature go by and if you're a dungeons and dragons person you know what that creature is there's the gelatinous cube that is mentioned in the everyone's like what the hell is a gelatinous cube that that is that actually takes a big portion of a scene because gelatinous cubes have been mocked for years and years uh, i used to play dungeons and dragons in grade school from uh a long, long time because it came out in the 70s and I was, a, you know, in grade school in the late 70s, early 80s. And so I knew about Dungeons and Dragons. We probably didn't play correctly, but my child plays Dungeons and Dragons. In fact, 
my kids in three different campaigns. One of them is a Star Wars campaign. Uh, this is based on the Forgotten Realms campaign. And so if you're familiar with that, that it it won't it won't help. It's written by Jonathan Goldstein and uh, John Francis Daly. John Francis Daly from Creeks and Geeks and his writing partner, uh, John Goldstein. Uh, he did uh, the PJs with Eddie Murphy, New Adventures of Old Christine, Good Morning Miami. He they've been writing together for a long time, but everyone knows John Francis Daly. He was the head freak from freaks and geeks and they even played dungeons and dragons on that show which i think is very funny um uh this it's got a great cast it's got uh, chris pine michelle rodriguez Renee, i'm sorry renee how do you say it's renee jean reggae Ray. it's it's reggae, reggae jean page page who has hosted aka the life. duke from bridgerton bridgerton one uh, of the most my, magnetic humans i've ever seen on screen Yes, Justice Smith from uh, uh, Detective Pikachu uh, and also Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, and Grant, Sharper on eight on Apple Plus TV. Ah, oh, yes. I, I've not watched that yet. But you uh, should. Sophia Lillis, Sophia Lillis from It Parts 1 and 2. She played Beverly. And uh, Hugh Grant. And Hugh Grant is um, the... He has a bigger part than I thought he would. I thought for sure he'd just be, you know, a cameo, but it, it's in the, it's an extended cameo and he looks like he's having a lot of fun here because he is the oldest person in this. They start there's a lot of exposition because they have to get you into the the campaign because that's what that's what Dungeons and Dragons is. It's a lot of talking, but not the film. The film's an action film. It's an action uh heist comedy. And so I had very low expectations for it. And I was pleasantly surprised. That being said, if you are a big D and D person, you might not like this film because it's not there. There are a lot of expectations. If you are a D and -er. if you do this a lot, you're going to want a lot more. I had the bar was low and I think it, cleared that hurdle fantastically if you are really into this you're going to be disappointed because there if you're if you're playing this you have to build a world just with a group of your friends and your dungeon master and it's all theater of the mind this everything is shown to you so what your expectations are being a dungeons and dragons player they're already in your head. So I I understand why that's a big deal. Well, somebody like me who's coming into it, I asked Kent. You just Kent, want you just want an action movie. Yeah. I just and I like those that cast. So um I I asked Kent, am I going to be confused because no. I never played it? And he said no. And he took his team. He's got a he's got yeah, a team. I know. My kid talked to their team and they were all discussing, but they were nitpicking. So because they're all used to, you know, playing this and having the theater of the mind, this is not that. And it's not just a group of kids sitting around playing Dungeons and Dragons. It is an actual story. And there and other people have done it. Critical Role has a show on Amazon. The uh, uh, Ex Machina. 
they're in season two right now. Season one, I thought was really good, but that one's animated. So you can do a lot more in this animated world. They have what the bar for me was, did they have dungeons and did they have dragons? And as my kid said, in a campaign, you're not going to see as many dragons as you saw in this movie. And I said, that's for the newbies. It, you got to have dragons. They have three dragons in a campaign on Dungeons and Dragons. You might be lucky to see one, maybe two. So that that's, I think it, it does expertly straddle the line between novice and expert, which is a very hard job to do. And some people are going to hate this movie just based on it. I'm not going to go see that nerd movie. I liked it. There are a lot of Easter eggs in it. And I think that it's going to be um, well-received for people that are willing to well-receive it. That's the, there's going to be I'm, hate. I'm, yeah, good. I'm but getting it, a, undeserved hate though. I like, I liked it. Well, people will criticize before they even see it which is mm -hmm. just typical. And, uh, but I'm getting this view that they managed to find a way to film it and right. kudos to them, you know, for that. And the, and the young girl, Chloe Coleman is really good in this. And cause usually in films like this, the younger actors can be hit or miss. She is a hit. In fact, she's also in the bomb 65 with Adam driver. Oh yeah. So I hope this is much better. Yeah, there's a reason they didn't show it to us, I suppose. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but, and the um, reason they didn't show us Shazam either, because that one wasn't, that one was a bomb too. Well, I did see it and it is bloated, but I do like those people and I do like that the foster kids all become superheroes. Well, that was it. That was how the first one ended. Yes. But that I was like the last that. thing before, like before you went into hospital. Yeah. And I also, um, do enjoy those actors. I think Helen Mirren's wasted in Shazam mm -hmm. Theory of the Gods. It's so bloated. It has unicorns and dragons. And uh, I did, I don't like any of that stuff. But I'm a person from a certain age that. Uh, it was know, on Saturday it, morning cartoon or Saturday morning television. I think that was CBS. Yeah, it was the Shazam Isis hour. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, my brothers would have loved all that. But um, let's go on I, to a movie you did like. Yeah, I was going to say I never played Dungeons and Dragons. I uh, did not, you know, read Marvel book, comic books. I read DC, but I also and not a lot of them. And I also did not play video games, but my children played them all. And this is Tetris. And I thought, oh, man, that sounds really I, like I don't think I'm going to enjoy that. But let's see, because it's Taron Edgerton. And who doesn't like Taron Edgerton? Mm -hmm. He's like of the Kingsman service. And he also played Elton John fabulously in Rocketman. Yes. And I haven't seen his TV show on Apple, Blackbird. Have you? I have not. I hear it's very good because it's Paul Walter Hauser, too. And uh, so I went in with zero expectations like you. It is a dandy yarn. It is a fun Cold War thriller. How they managed 
to concoct this is brilliant. Yes, it has cartoon villains because it's at the end of the Soviet Union. So we have evil Russians and we have evil corporate greedy bastards. <laughs> and we have this young upstart at the 1980, a 1980s consumer electronics show trying to sell his game. And this other guy goes, hey, dude, there's this guy from Russia invented this game named Tetris. And it's really great. And he played it for five minutes and he went, oh, my God, I got to get rights to this game. You would never think pursuing rights, contracts, legal avenues would be this fascinating. But it is because we got a multi, a multi-millionaire greedy bastard and his son trying to screw the guy we've got the russians really screwing everybody so this is more this is not like a video game adaptation this is how the video game was made right okay and how right. it was distributed to everyone right the big thing was in 1989 nintendo put it on its game boy yes and it's that, an easy game to it's an easy game to play and it's an easy game to get addicted. And that was the hunt because they were trying to get the arcade rights, trying to get the uh, you know, computer rights, all that. This was new, this was fresh territory. It's very primitive. The graphics are primitive. Now, John S. Baird directed this, and he's got a flair, and the guy that just wrote. What did we like so much? Um, oh, Scream, the Scream, uh, the reboots of Scream, James. Oh, Noah Pink? No, no, I'm thinking of something else. I'm sorry. Okay, Noah, um, Pink, Noah Pink wrote this. Yeah, Noah Pink wrote this, and it's very clever. And he did, he did Genius on uh, Nat Geo. Yes, which was very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and the director, I forget what he did, but he's... But they have a really good spirit. And the cast is really good. You won't know anybody except Taron Edgerton. Uh, but he he and the John Russian, S. Baird did uh, Stan and Ollie. That's right. Which was and, way better than anybody. Uh, well, what what's, what the problem with Stan and Ollie was when they released it. They released yeah. it and it, it just came out at a weird time and we didn't no, no one saw it. Yeah, so if you think, oh, this is about a video game, because you know Super Mario Brothers is coming out next week, and, yeah, and they're so, not—they're not letting us bring guests. It's so weird. Well, that's—it's like they want the fewest amount of people to see it. Well, my children were still playing Mario Kart four years ago, so right. my children had their Super Nintendo box out with their cheesy games, and. When Charlie would come home and Tim would come home, they would sit in their bedroom and play Mario Kart for hours. So there is an appeal there, and I know, but I will be at the Theater Circle Awards, so whether I see it again. But I didn't know Charlie Day was going to be one of the plumbers. (laughs) It doesn't matter, Lynn. I love him, you know. I know. So anyway, but no, I, I am. I'm so. So now uh, hold on a second. Do you think this Tetris movie is going to be just like air? With Matt and Ben. 
Well, I think air is going to be far and away above, but I think people will pleasantly be surprised at With Tetris. Uh, Tetris. And I, I just couldn't believe how fun it was because I thought I, I went into it thinking, you know, it's like eat your vegetables. I'm like, OK, mm -hmm. I got to watch Tetris because I got to see something. And then I was like, well, this is really fun. And you get attached to these people. And Taryn Edgerton's character is a very interesting guy, Hank Rogers. And these are based on real people. And then the Russian uh, inventor, uh, it's it's just very interesting. And you got to stay for the credits because you see the real people. Oh, nice. It's one yeah. of those. Yeah. And Toby Jones is, oh, Toby Jones is in it. You know, when Tony, we, jo Toby Jones is always good in everything. Yes. So, so anyway, that's this week. Is he we playing have, good or bad this time? He does middle. both wells. Kind of middle. Say? He's a okay. guy that has the rights and the billionaires screw him and the other people screw him. But he's not like, the, uh, you know, not like a nice, nice person, but he gets screwed. Oh. And this is the early days of the video world. So that's interesting because you see the primitive graphics and the noises and, and the world in the mid 80s. So because the, the Russian invented the game in 1984. Right. Because he was Russian. He was controlled. So well, the government Roger, controlled the rights. Hank Rogers said a lot of things. It's not it's not a documentary. It's a Hollywood movie. It's not about history. So a lot of things didn't necessarily happen, but they wanted to just capture the feel of what was going on. Yeah, I figured we could pick it apart, but they have the best end credits song for this type of movie. Pet Shop Boys Opportunities. Let's make lots of money. Yeah. So it's really fun because it just brings you back to that era where everything was brand new and all the stuff. You know, when I got out of college, we were playing Pong at the local bars. <laughs> that was the thing. And then gradually you got Pac-Man, you got Donkey Kong, you got all the Space stuff. Invaders. And uh, we took off from there. And now, you know, look, I just, uh, yeah, no. I found uh, a Game Boy in going through old things. Wow. Yeah, I know. I think I gave it to Charlie. I hope I gave it to Charlie. Well, Because okay. I think it so has Tetris on it. So anyway, uh, the only thing else that's opening this week, Carl, is yeah. Netflix is doing Murder Mystery 2. With uh, doesn't that open Aniston. next week? No, it's this. It's Friday. Oh. Well, good. I'm going to so watch it. As soon as I get it, I'm going to watch it because I liked Murder Mystery 1. I think Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler have a nice chemistry together. Yeah, I liked Murder. I liked the first one. I thought it was underrated and I'm glad I I was glad I watched it. I'm I will watch the next one. Well, I to refresh myself because to be honest with you, I had started watching it cuz you liked it so much and then I uh I guess I had to move on and then I thought I need to go back to that. It's only an so, hour and a half. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll go back to it. So I started watching it the other night after the Adam Sandler Mark Twain prize. Right. Did Where you our buddy the Tim, our buddy Tim Convy was there because his brother, uh, Chris Convy, uh, was one of the producers of that. Ah, okay. 
and they and he used to be Nikki Glazer's boyfriend, right? Uh, yes, yes, and uh, they have a very complicated relationship, but yes, because she was there. I saw her. She yes. didn't talk, but she's in no, the audience. She was in the audience because she was with the Convy boys. Uh, some of the speeches were really good. Ben Stiller's was hilarious because he said that he called up his dad called up uh, Lauren Michaels and asking for a job for Ben. <laughs> so did you see Mary Mystery 2 yet? No, uh, they didn't. I, I checked to see if it was in our preview content and it is not. OK, well, so, I, I like the first one. I'll, I will talk about it next week because I will watch it. Yes, because I thought that's going to be that's a perfect last weekend in March movie. Yeah, and it's on Netflix, so everyone can watch it. Yes, and anything else going on besides the final four? Final four. Um, I, I do you want to talk about why we didn't have an episode last week? Oh yeah, well, I was in the hospital. It was an emergency, and uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, far be it from me. It just shows you that you should follow your gut. If you think you're having an emergency and uh, I was just at home watching the world baseball classic and texting, I had just gotten done talking to my son. Who's the one who told me the game was on. And he said, Wayno's pitching. And I turned it on. I'm watching Is that it. the game. He got hurt. No, well, he didn't get hurt in the game. He got hurt in the uh, weight room. practicing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the one where uh, Goldie hit a home run. Arenado mm -hmm. scored. It was great game. It was just a really fun game to watch. And because it was, you know, Trey Turner and Schwarber and all the big, the big dogs of the National League, except for Newt Bar, who was playing for Japan. The he, now is a, yeah. he now is a rock star in Japan. Yeah. Well, apparently. of course he is. And they peppers, pepper grinders are yes. selling out in Japan because of Newt. And go go cards today. So anyway, uh, since the summer, I won't get into too much detail. But the re reason I've not been really sharing stuff is because we really haven't known what's going on. So I started having trouble with my uh, electrolytes this summer. Indicate things. And then my blood pressure was affecting my kidneys and stuff was going on. And I had that kidney biopsy in January where we also took a break because I wound up with internal bleeding and yeah. I was at the hospital. So the doctors have been trying to do tests and see what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And so Sunday night, I'm just sitting there watching the game, typing the script to the St. Louis theater circle awards. And I went, Oh, I'm hard. I'm having a hard time catching my breath. I had gone to a matinee that afternoon. Uh, Every brilliant thing with the great Will Bonfiglio. Yeah. Did not feel bad. And I'm like, I can't catch my breath. And then I started wheezing, which was like pneumonia because I've had pneumonia once. Did you ever have pneumonia? Uh, Yes. Once. So you noticed. Maybe twice. Yeah. Yeah, you notice that you're having this wheezing, which is weird because you hear your lungs. And uh, I thought, that is weird. I don't feel bad. I don't have fever. What's going on? And I thought, well, I guess I got to go to St. Mary's ER, which I wasn't looking forward to. And so I get in the car and I stop at the quick trip to go to the restroom. And 
by the time I got up to the counter, I could hardly walk. And I asked the clerk to call an ambulance and the city ambulance came and the undercover cops and the QT helped me out, which is so many because of these scuzzy guys. I'm like, what are they? you know, anyway, we're police no officers, ma'am. <laughs> so I can't breathe. I'm not breathing. Um, it's terrible. And the SLU trauma care, I can't see enough about SLU. Those people just boom. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm getting breathing treatments and I they take three liters of fluid from me. I had what's called a flash pulmonary edema where your blood pressure skyrockets and your heart doesn't know what to do and it pushes fluid in your lungs and your lungs fill up. So that was my Sunday night around 10, 11 o'clock. And but you're out of, now and you're yes. going to you're meeting with your doctor for a plan of attack. Yes, because now they have pinpointed why my blood pressure spiking. But that blood pressure thing, that's why I was in the hospital so long. Your blood pressure, obviously, you could have a stroke. Right. You don't. And then that. I fainted. That. Remember, remember when I fainted because my blood pressure was low? Yeah. So they've now got a handle on uh, that. But no, I'm just saying, if you think something's wrong with you. You're probably right. Yeah, go. And I can't say enough about the city ambulance people through the fire department. And right here over where we we both live on Hampton, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we don't live on Hampton, but they live there. In the St. Louis Hills area. Yes. And. Slew, I can't say enough about a teaching hospital. So therefore, they 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 taught you something. So this is my first. I'm now sharing this stuff just to help uh, help other people because I could not be here right now. Well, we're glad you're here, and Lynn, now you you can be back on the radio with Jennifer and Wendy. When when are you on? I am on Friday mornings at 11 a.m. and I was live from the hospital last week. And I talked about all the beauty in the bloodshed. And I talked about Bono and the Edge, a sort of homecoming with Did David you watch Letterman. that? How was it? Yes. It's wonderful. It's part travelogue. It's part David Letterman being snarky. He had never been to Dublin before. but And he, he went with you too. <laughs> and yeah. And it, well, he loves those guys. Well, I know. As I do. And it's also about Bono and the Edge's friendship over the years and their creative uh, control. Um, Do they mention Adam, Adam and are, are Adam and Larry in the movie at all? Uh, they're in the archival stuff, but Larry had to have surgery. So that's why he's not on camera. And Adam, Adam. was making a art a movie. movie about Francis Bacon. Okay. So that is it. But no, it, they have taken several, they have taken 10 of their songs and revisited them. Oh. And as a, as adults, as older people, and, you know, they both have children. It's a sort of homecoming. Yes. And it's wonderful. And to see Dublin is just really fun. But Letterman bonds with all these people and he's loving it. He had never been there. And he is just having a thing. Glenn Hansard, who we are fans From of. Once. Mm-hmm. Yes. He gives a great little history about their impact 
on Dublin and music. You know, I first saw I first saw you two on MTV in 1983, and I was immediately a fan. And then I saw the Red Rocks uh, concert because MTV used to show everything they did, have them as concerts, and you know, so I have followed them for many years and uh, sing their praises, but no, it's just a nice, and it's short too, but it's just a nice look. And, and Bono is actually, cause I have his autobiography. He's actually very reflective. And uh, Letterman asks him about embarrassing his bandmates because of his <laughs> activism. And he talks about that. He talks about how he's embarrassed his things, but as I always say, when people, you know, there's a lot of people hate Bono for being Bono. I always say, what's wrong with saving the world, for God's sake? <laughs> so anyway, I've, seen yes. you, I've seen you too many times. The first time I was supposed to see them, I was I had the second lead in a play. So I had really good seats and I could not go because oh. I was I was Charlie and Charlie's aunt. Oh, well, I will say the uh, outdoor concert at Bush Stadium. In nine in uh, two thousand eleven, July seventeenth, two thousand eleven, Bush Stadium was magical. It was I got in the circle. That was the first time I was ever in ah, the, the circle. Pit. You were and in the pit. we had a oh uh, we started being in line at six a.m. with our to get a wristband and everything. And I finally got in. Um, and I asked my friend where should I stand, and she said stand over by where the edge is going to be. Well, they all move around. And right. so I told, I texted Charlie that like, Charlie, I'm in the circle by the, I'm by, I was right by the catwalk. And he said, try not to have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> See, foreshadowing. All right, Lynn, you can, you're also in the Webster Kirkwood Times and poplifestl.com. You can find me at, on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl, the intern for the last of the four hockey games of the season. And then you can hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show and weekends on 97.1 and KMOX for Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors. Uh, I hope you I'm glad you're doing well. And Thank you. we'll talk. We'll talk Super Mario Brothers and Murder Mystery 2 next week. And air. I am and so excited. I can't go. I have a hockey game. I can't see air. Oh, but it you, looks You can wonderful. compare and contrast air to Tetris. Yes. Bye, everyone. Bye. Go Cards!